Okay, sweet. Episode uh, 24. We're back. It's uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, and I'm here with my longtime coach, probably for since I was 22 years old. Moved from Team Quest in Portland. I was training there. Mariah and her family moved down here to start a weed company, and I just kind of Googled MMA gyms, AZ. Um, The lab popped up first, and then another one. I think it was Ryan Bader and CB Dalloway's at the time. Power MMA popped up. But then I saw Benson was the champion at the time. Came down, talked to Crouch, he he welcomed me in, and then the first day I got to spar Benson. And after that first day, I was like, dude, I got to be here. I got to be here. The champ, pretty much in my weight classes here, training. And, uh, yeah, it, um, just been, been in Phoenix now for, what, eight, nine, ten years. And, uh, yeah, it's been pretty sweet. It's been a while. You know what's funny about that, as I remember you, met you, cool you know oh yeah you were fighting in bellator at the time right mm-hmm. and uh and uh i was like oh yeah come on in and then the sparring day was kind of light for 55ers mm-hmm. and i was like shit man this guy just walked in mm-hmm. i'm gonna throw him in there with ben he's yeah. gonna think i'm trying to kill him but you were great and it was it was a good round and uh it was a good start for sure yeah we, we were just talking about it coming in like the covid shit like literally every student at my gym got it yeah. Like every single one got the fucking COVID. We were just in LA this weekend and it was crazy. They were trying to force you to show vax cards to get into restaurants and go anywhere. But then like once they found out it was sugar, they're like, oh yeah, whatever. Let them in. <laughs> I'm like, it's crazy. But you've been dealing with the shit too, huh? Oh man. I mean the whole world, right? Like yeah. every gym, it's got to be our worst nightmare. But anymore with this. I mean, not to get super political about it, but everybody's getting this shit anyway. Mm-hmm. We're all going to get it. It doesn't matter who you are. It's coming for you. And uh, and the more we get through it, the better it's going to be. I mm-hmm. mean, the vaccines haven't helped. The mask restrictions haven't helped. Like, it keeps spreading regardless. So, mm-hmm. you know, and with our business, we're face-to-face. There's no six feet between human beings in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So it's, it's been – the students have been real good, you know, if they feel – like they're getting sick, they stay away a couple weeks, and, and we help them out with that. So it's been great, but yeah, everybody's got it. Yeah, it's crazy. It has been. Um, yeah, you've ran one of probably the best programs, like the MMA Lab ran one of the best professional programs for years. And like most of the gyms I've been around, it's rare that teams stick around that long. You know what I mean? When when I was there, there was probably probably fifteen current maybe even 20 current UFC fighters training there. Um, and I always bring it up to people. K- kids are always asking me, is 21 too early to start jiu-jitsu? Is 22 too early? I'm like, dude, Crouch started jiu-jitsu at 35 years old with no previous experience. Previous experience. Like no, no wrestling, no nothing. Now he runs one of the biggest gyms in the world. So I, I love use, using you as an example. It's, it's pretty fucking awesome. Because you started... You were you, you were you started as a band leader, right, or orchestrator? Yeah, or, or what's a, the word? Like a choreographer, I guess, okay. or designer. Yeah, 
Um, I was the guy that put the designs on the field to the music mm-hmm. and helped pick shows and stuff. So I did that in high school, and then I was a music major in college. Um, and I always I played football. You know, I did wrestle a little bit, just enough to be terrible when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and boxed a little bit when I was a kid. So I always liked martial arts, mm-hmm. but I didn't really get started in it until later. Uh, 26 or 27 my mom got me a taekwondo membership me and my girlfriend at the time Mm -hmm. and that guy started teaching he went to the gracie academy and started taking their uh i think it was called grapple uh anyway it's the law enforcement portion of their program he started showing jujitsu when he came back home and i just loved it and then after that i was hooked and i moved to la for six years or so trained with the gracies and then moved back as a it took Colorado as a purple belt and started mm-hmm. my own school. So trained at the Gracie Academy for how long? Six years. I mean, you know, I'm still under Hoist. He's given me every belt that I have. Mm-hmm. He's promoted me every time. So, um, you know, I'm still affiliated with them. Mm-hmm. But I was there physically in L.A. for six years. So where when did your, like, uh, where did your, like, leadership qualities come from? Did they come from, yeah, where did they come from? I always felt comfortable in front of people, Mm -hmm. you know, even as a kid, like in high school, I was the drum major of our marching band and, uh, and my band director was the only dude, right? So we had almost 300 people in our band. Mm -hmm. So he'd put me in charge of teaching the other groups. And when I played football, I helped coach youth football as well. So I always had an interest in coaching and and doing that stuff. So I've kind of feels like in my nature, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, when I went to the Gracie Academy, Horian Gracie is one of the great teachers I've ever seen in anything, uh, coaches, teachers, whatever. And I, he really inspired me, and, and he was a, a great role model as far as following a, an instructor, a teacher. You mm-hmm. know? So he was one of your, I was going to ask you that, one of your big mentors that you looked up to to kind of run a program. Because it's not easy talking to a big group of people. And er, forever, like... I've been here. You've been so good at that and super connecting to the, to the group or whatever. And that's, that's pretty cool. And you learn most of that from Horion. I think some of that's natural. Would mm. you say, do you, yeah. how do you feel in front of a crowd? Do you feel comfortable? A, a little bit? Cause I know they all respect me, but it's still kind of, it's still, I'm still just working on it. You know, yeah. I, I see you speak and I don't feel like you do a good job in front of the class. You know, obviously we haven't been as closely connected. I don't see every day, but it was pretty natural for you. And so say like Benson will coach or, mm-hmm. you know, how the guys mm-hmm. would help in practice. I think it's something that's in your nature. There's people that go up there and freeze. Yeah. And it just never was for me. Mm-hmm. But his style of teaching and his his methodology and the way he approached it, I just, I loved that it was like a magic show every time he taught. Like he'd show a detail and go, and then you grab here. And I'd be like, oh, shit, you know? Yeah. And you could see the class react like physically react and and that's something i i liked and so you know making that entertaining and fun for my students and and for the fight team too because you know what a grind that can be yeah if it's not fun what are you doing yeah and so it's important for me that it be a a fun process for everybody Mm -hmm. so you were so what year was this where you you were a purple belt moved to colorado and because most people wouldn't have really the I guess the confidence to be like, okay, I'm going to run a school, but maybe train at the Gracie Academy. You, you, they taught you how to run a school. Did they? No, I was terrible at it. Like, 
teaching classes, I feel like I was good. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Um, but that first little place I ran, it didn't go good. We didn't make any money. But I was trying to work on the side to pay for the place when really you know you just need to bury yourself in your whatever it is yeah like you need to pull the ripcord and go mm -hmm. and for me i was nervous like oh shoot i have to pay this much money so i better keep these other jobs mm -hmm. and that it kind of didn't work so we ended up being a club and moved to mm, we've trained at a taekwondo school we trained at a boxing school maybe it's just three locations but in colorado we moved and and you know how that is we didn't really get mm -hmm. along with those guys after a while mm -hmm. You know, start rubbing against each other. And uh, it wasn't until I came to the lab, um, my good friend Jason Beck started the lab in Arizona. And somehow, I don't remember, but we had crossed paths. He's like, I started a school. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, we're boys. Why don't you call me? Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought you were happy in Colorado. And uh, he brought me down for their grand opening. And I loved it. And he hired me. And that was it. And that's where I learned from him kind of how to start running a business more than just teaching classes. Yeah. Yeah. So in Colorado, you were at, at one of these gyms. You were, rent, were renting your own place. When did Benson roll in? We were at Delgado's Boxing School in Denver. We were in this upstairs room. His like Part of his family lived in a little adjacent apartment. Mm -hmm. It was kind of wacky. And uh, Leister, remember Leister Bowling? He yeah. was the head coach at Altitude. Great guy. Great coach. Well, he had gone to college with Alvin Robinson. They went to, I believe it was Southern Colorado, and they had canceled their wrestling program, and they were both there. And then Alvin moved up to where I was, and I met him that summer. So he came in right as I opened my first place. And, uh, and you know, we were great friends, and he had great success, and he was my first fighter ever. Mm -hmm. I had not even thought about coaching MMA. And then Leister knew Alvin, and then Leister went to Dana College in, in Blair, Nebraska, and Ben was his teammate. And when Ben said he wanted to fight, Leister said, hey, I know a guy. You like Alvin Robinson. Alvin was in the UFC at the time. Because what year is this? 2007? Yeah. Just, well, we moved here in 2007, I think. I've been here for, my son will be 15. 15 years in November, I'll be here. Mm -hmm. So that puts us at seven. So it was probably 2004, 2005, mm -hmm. six-ish. And, uh, so then Benson drove down on the weekends, took a couple of jiu-jitsu classes. And that's how we started. April 15th on tax day. He remembers this. He reminded me the other day. It'll be 15 years that we've been working together. Damn, that's freaking awesome. Isn't that crazy? It's awesome. Well, because how many members does the lab have now? 750-ish. That's fucking insane. So like, where at what point was it like, okay, I fucking don't know all these people by name. Like I have, I think maybe a little over a hundred and I'm still, I'm doing okay at it. Like I memorize their names. How do you do go about that? Well, now we have so many different coaches for different groups. Yeah. The, especially, you know, in jujitsu, I, I think I know everybody's name. Mm. So there's 300 people, 400 people. That's impressive. But I mean, I forget them now. I'm old as hell. So my memory is not what it used to be. It used to be better, but I try really hard if I don't remember like literally if I see you and I go, Hey brother, how's it brother? Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> good. Huh? Everything's going good. I go to the computer and look you up and be like, dang, I can't believe I forgot Tim's name. Mm -hmm. So it, that's one of the hor things that Horian pounded home to us. And, and I've really taken to heart. It's important is learning your student's name because mm -hmm. just that effort, the connection you make, yeah, that basic human connection is super important. Yeah. I remember you, you've always been good at that. And I took that to my gym too. And it's, 
it's helped me connect with them better for sure. But yeah, just being being a leader of that, especially fighters, but even being leaders in different areas. Like imagine being a leader for as a brain surgeon. <laughs> that's some serious pressure where 10 hours you have to be focused on millimeters of just like and then and then you don't have your team oh, I, I can't even fucking imagine yeah. being a leader in that aspect well, and, and I think of, as they go through I don't know for sure but they develop their team and relationships like you and I feel super mm-hmm. close I'm your anesthesiologist mm-hmm. like man I gotta have Crouch work with me mm-hmm. and so then you find guys like that you can really trust and you start to build bonds because in a situation like that i mean it doesn't get much higher stress than that you know what i mean that yeah. one little kick and that's it Dead. you jacked it up yep. you know so I, that's interesting i hadn't thought about that but but yeah that must be some serious you know you bond together we have gone to fights together mm-hmm. things have gone good and gone bad mm-hmm. and we're, our friendship has grown because of it mm-hmm. it has grown closer right like you and sugar you guys are brothers yeah you know there's you've been through the highs and lows of it together so imagine those situations it's yeah. even heightened you know? and especially if you got a surgeon who's kind of a dickhead and you, oh. you make you give him the wrong tool and he fucking freaks out i remember getting my jaw when i was coming out of the surgery getting my jaw wired the guy was yelling he was like jerking my face around and he was yelling at one of the other girls was he i was like holy shit and i asked him about it they're like yeah he, he does that sometimes did this not go well <laughs> yeah that guy was screaming up a storm yeah one thing i thought that was that's always been good about the lab but i don't think other places do is you really if you want on the professional team at the lab you're going to really hold them accountable if they miss then you're going to text them like for me i have some good good athletes at my gym and then they just they don't they stop coming and i'm and and in my mind i'm like i'm not going to text you no because it's like if you want to be good and if you want to do what you say you want to do you're going to be in here without me having to just be over your shoulder all the time what what's your kind of thoughts on that i think that's smarter than what i do because you know how how motivated you have to be yeah your coach yelling at you like people get i think about this all the time when i see corners and uh and people are so judgmental from the outside Mm -hmm. and really i have no idea like i've been doing this a long time but if i listen to you talk to sugar that's maybe not accurate, but let's say I watch some other coach because I've been around you guys a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I maybe have a little better understanding, just a little bit. But even then, I'm not there. But there's some other coach, and he's saying certain things to his guy, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, I don't know what their relationship is. Yeah. What pushes that person's buttons, mm-hmm. right? What have you gone through in practices or in life, and then you know if you say this, they're going to respond. Mm-hmm. And that's not my place. So I feel like uh, it's I shouldn't be motivating that guy. People love that corner moment where everybody's mm-hmm. yelling and screaming. and They mm-hmm. get all excited. Oh, that guy, he's the best corner because he said something crazy. Well, he might not necessarily be, you know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like uh, it. it's not <laughs> – the motivation has to come from the athlete. It can't mm-hmm. come from the coach. Mm-hmm. You're there to remind him and help him. But if – you're doing it the right way. If the guy's not motivated enough to show up to practice, well, then see you later. Yeah. What am I going to do for you? Mm-hmm. It's only going to last this long if I'm doing it. If you do it, it's going to last as long as you love it. Yeah. So I, I think for me, I'm just such a Jewish grandmother inside. Like mm-hmm. it pisses me off. So if you're getting ready for a fight and Ben doesn't show up, you came to the gym so that Ben could help you. Mm-hmm. You could help him. So I text his ass. Hey, man, you should be here to help Tim. 
And now he feels a, a different set of obligations too. Like he loses himself in the culture of it, which I think is important. And he feels like he's investing in you. Mm-hmm. In return, you feel like, man, he really helped me. I'm going to be there for him. Because how many gyms have you heard of where a guy has a camp and nobody's there for them? Yeah. Right? And then the next guy comes in and the first guy's like, well, that guy didn't help me. Why would I waste my time? I'm not going to take time off of work away from my family to help mm. you when you didn't care enough about me. Yeah. So I, my motivation is mostly that. I want people to invest in the culture of helping each other. Yeah, and that's what the the lab's always been good about. Is all you're always gonna have good sparring. Yeah, because everyone's kind of there for each other. If they're not in fight camp, well, another person's in fight camp. You're there helping them out. You remember Victor used to be always busted up. Victor yeah. Meza. I lo- I love Vic more than anything because he would literally be laying on the side just trashed. <laughs> He'd be like, "Hey, Ben needs another rounding." Start strapping up yeah. the shin pads, yeah. his gloves. Yeah, and he'd jump in there to take that ass whooping because he knew, you know, he loved his brother. You know, mm-hmm. how many people out of say a hundred come in and say, "Hey, I want to be a fighter and I want to be a jujitsu like champion." Too many. Like I haven't been do- been a coach that long, and just yeah, too many, too many. And I take it, and I want to believe it. But it's just like you can't believe it. Well, yours, you've seen a lot, you know, and you're kind of like for me, it was like I believed it for a long time. Uh-huh. And then they just don't show up. Like, you know, the rule at the lab, like I want to be on the fight team. OK, we'll show up so much that I'm tired of seeing you mm-hmm. and then you'll have a good chance. Yeah. You know, and they can't do it. People can't stay consistent. You know, you know, the secret to success, like look at this this thing you guys have been banging away at this mm-hmm. and it's turned into this cool thing you guys do a great job it's because you worked at it hard mm-hmm. over a consistent amount of time if you did it for a week and you're like oh there's no money in this yet i better do something else yeah well then it's not going to work so the same thing with your fight career I, I mean it could be as far as your relationships with your wife your kids your friends if you're not going to invest over time you're not going to get any of the rewards back from yeah it. I think that's where like uh, jujitsu kind of helps a lot. You'd be like, if you get your black belt in jujitsu, be like, okay, to get really good at something, now I kind of know what it takes. Yeah, it's not this half-ass ep- effort. I can do it here once in a while, but like I, ha- and if you really want to get good at something, you'd be like, fuck, I want to get good at that, but I know what it takes, so I'm gonna stay away yeah, from that. Yeah, you know? I agree. I mean, how long did it take you? You got your black belt pretty quick. You're kind of a, uh, not quick, but you were a good study and you're always good at grappling, you know? Mm-hmm. How long did it take you? Well, I started, like I said, I started learning from a, a Taekwondo teacher too when I was 18, a blue belt. And I started, yeah, when I was 18, so 10 years. Yeah, which is pretty common. But had you been training with Tenkyo? Yeah, six years, six years mostly, seven years was mostly fighting in MMA, so jujitsu two, three times a week. Yeah. So. And so, and you were, but you were a good athlete and focused at it. And, and I took about, I don't know, 11, probably 11 years, you know, traveling back and forth. I wasn't with my instructor when I was a purple belt. So maybe a little longer, but I'm not any special shakes at jujitsu, but to commit to something for that amount of time, that's amazing. Yeah. For eight years, let's say it was eight years mm-hmm. for you, even just two, three, four times a week mm-hmm. saying you're going to keep doing this. That's that's amazing and not common at all in our culture today. Yeah, and I think it's uh, just being passionate about it. Like, I just love being in the room with the boys, having a goofy time, trying to fuck each other up. I just I just love practice yeah. a lot. I love being in there and just growing from practice. So right now, 
big fights coming up. We've got Jared Cannonier. He's on the what date is he? February twelfth. February twelfth in Houston. So he's on the same card as Kyler. Yes, sir. Damn, hell yeah. I'm excited about those. How about Mario Bautista? Is he healing up? On the 19th. He fights the 19th. Of Feb. Yep. Sweet. One week after. And he's doing great. Feeling good. Chest all healed up. And uh, practicing hard. Been helping all the other guys get ready. So he's doing good. Hell yeah. Because now in, in the room, in the room you probably have how many professionals training at once. I saw I saw a story yesterday There was probably... 25 30 guys in the room yeah i think i think yesterday there was 35 uh, some of those are amateurs but mm-hmm. serious amateurs that are trying to become professionals so i mean you know some some days we have 50 in there when hobby's team comes down to train mm-hmm. so i'd i'd say that's normal probably 30 35 is a normal day and how do you like because now benson's starting to get a little bit older he has has his babies now how have you like made other people leaders and influence them to be become leaders again i feel like that's sort of your nature right you step into yeah. the void and want to somebody like david Machado is a really good leader mm-hmm. but he doesn't relish that position there are people that want to be mm-hmm. oh i want to be the leader not really people that want to be the leader aren't necessarily the best leaders mm-hmm. Um, and David has become a great coach and stepped into the void, and and that's just by leading. That's how Ben got to be a leader. He just led by example. Yeah, which with Benson is like, I think everyone who's trained in the room with Benson, especially during the time he was champion, it was like, is this guy human? Yeah. Like he doesn't fucking stop. He's just everyone that's been in the room with him has has learned so much, like more than I've. Ever, Besides, like, Taquino, when he was getting ready for the ADCC, that was another one that I was like, Jesus, so that that's what it takes. Yeah. But, man, how awesome is it to run into someone like Benson almost as your first fighter to kind of set the standard for everyone? And then now now you guys have attracted so many high-level pros and it just makes the room so fucking strong. Yeah. I believe, I, I believe that the culture is the most important thing. So that came from two things, me kind of directing – and then having somebody believe in that direction enough yeah, that they were willing to do whatever it took, mm-hmm. you know? And that was Ben. So when we were young at this, I hadn't really done it a bunch, you know, when, I don't know, I, like Efren, I think. Alvin was my first UFC, mm-hmm. and we started from zero. Like, it was us in a jiu-jitsu gym, and he had a, one of my jiu-jitsu guys was an ex-boxing coach. And that's how we made it to the UFC. And his sparring partners were like two jiu-jitsu guys that just were mm-hmm. willing to get punched. And uh, and we fought we fought Kenny Florian we fought Nate Diaz, mm-hmm. and then Benson came along, and then we moved to the lab, and it all kind of just popped up from there. When we moved to the lab, Arizona has always had a really rich MMA history. Yeah, you know, like Don Fry, you know, uh, Kerr, all those guys. They've been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, ACS was really big when we came down, and they had Bader and all those guys that had been on the Ultimate Fighter. Yep, made a big splash. Efren was here. So Effie, after uh, Ben started, Efren, well, Yachty and Vic moved over and Efren came over. So Effie was my first UFC fighter besides uh, Ben or mm-hmm. Alvin. And and that was, uh, it just built from Ben being the champ. You know, you loved it. Yeah. When you got to train with him, everybody does, everybody loves Ben. So that's when that thing just started to explode. Yeah, and, and, and someone like 
someone like Benson wasn't like, oh, what else can I do? Question everything. He's just like, no, I'm going to believe in the fucking program. Yeah. And I'm going to do it, put my head down and just do it. He's one of like the best examples of that. Well, you know, Effie's pretty energetic. Like he's a social dude. He's mm. a talker, you know, like he, and he followed Ben, mm. you know, like Ben just was quiet. When we, when I moved to Arizona, we had Joe Veras was a UFC fighter and we kind of inherited him. Great guy. Uh, he lost to Corey Anderson. Remember that six foot four? Um, dude broke his leg in one of his fights. Anyway, he's a wrestler. He's a huge guy. He was on the Ultimate Fighter, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he fought him, and we lost. So, so it was these guys, kind of not my guys necessarily, mm-hmm. but they were trying to do what we wanted to do. And then uh, when they left, uh, Del Hawkins and Patrick, you remember those guys at all? I don't. It was kind of before you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they left. It, they stopped doing it. Joe retired. He, you know, he got into. He's a principal somewhere, an AD somewhere, and uh, and I sat Ben down on the desk. I'm like, hey man, this is your squad now, and his head just dropped to his chest. Like, fuck, <laughs> I don't want to do this. Yeah. And he kind of said that he's like, I don't, I'm not really wanting to do that. I go because he he was thinking that he'd have to talk yeah. more. Yeah. And I told him that I was like, don't you don't have to say anything. Just do what you do. Like, mm-hmm. just work hard, show up, and do the thing. And now he's a he's a fantastic leader, mm-hmm. super strong. And in his vein, Mario's starting to do the same thing. Hell yeah. You know, like, he's quiet, but he's in the gym every day doing the right stuff. Yep. And um, and there's other guys that just look at that. You know, you know Ezra Elliott. Yep. Like, Ezra's a workhorse, and he just works and works. So it's kind of ingrained, and people follow the athletes that they like. You yeah. Know? The guys they gravitate to. Yeah, for sure. Pretty awesome. Pretty freaking awesome. Jay, will you pull up that that card this weekend? <clears throat> yeah, Francis versus Serial this weekend. It's like, how do you even pick that fucking fight, dude? It you, just it has the potential to end with such sudden violence <laughs> if Ngannou touches you. But I I think Cyril I I think he's too good. Like he's technically yeah. too good. His feet are too good. His distance, like he understands that striking game, and he's fought a bunch of guys that aren't in Ghana, but mm-hmm. violent, skilled heavyweights. Yeah, that's been his whole career. Yeah, he he he's one of those heavyweights. Is like man, he fucking understands his range. He bounces yeah. around like he's like, like almost a defensive lineman. He's that athletic. But then sometimes you see him floating his chin up there, and that's going to be Francis' that little hope. <laughs> Well, and if Francis can cover that space, the thing is, Ngannou's pretty good about getting out of there. His movement is good. You know what I like? Oh, gone. Oh, gone. That's what I meant. But And if Francis can cover that space, then that chin-up is going to be a problem. You know what I really liked from gone, what I saw was how he stepped in with Derek Lewis. And when he stepped in, he threw. Like, he wasn't scared. Like, his movement was strategic, not... It wasn't based out of nervousness. Yeah. It was to find his spots. And that really impressed me with him. And... uh We'll see. Ngannou's a whole new, but I think he's definitely got some qualities that Derek Lewis has too. Just that explosive violence that one punch can end your night. Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel like Gon is shaken by that at all. Mm-hmm. So I would go with him, but I so wouldn't be surprised. So you're gonna go Gon by if you had to bet on it. I'd say decision uh, because Francis has lasted. You know, Stipe beat him up pretty good, mm-hmm. and he stays in there. He's a durable dude. Um, I, I think, uh, I think the black beast got a little tired and just didn't want to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. I think he could have lasted longer 
and he just didn't see himself winning the fight. Maybe that's that may be a stretch for me to say that, but that's what it felt like. I don't think Ngana will do that. I think he'll keep going. So if there if there was a, a TKO late, it would be fourth for me, fourth to fifth. But I see that going to a decision. Hell yeah. I'm just I'm glad I don't have to hold pads for those fucking oh, guys. God, your shoulders would be gone already. My, my biceps are fucked from holding from sugar. Like <laughs> you're, 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 you'd be 67 years old in your arms, <laughs> dude. Fuck that, Moreno Davison. Gosh, that's a hard one to pick. You know when Figueroa can be the bully, he's so good. Mm-hmm. He's so scary. You know we fought him with Mar- Moraga, and he was intimidating. Not to Johnny. Really? Johnny wasn't scared, but you can tell like he was really wary of his power. You know, uh, Moreno's not scared of him. Mm-hmm. And he's shown it in two fights that he's not scared of him. So I would pick Moreno, but I feel like Figueredo's kind of reinvigorated and really wants to try to get it back. So we'll see how that translates to preparation, weight cut, that <coughs> kind of stuff. God, that's the thing. It's like you can just, you can, it's pointless guessing in fights. It really is. But it's yeah. fun just because, but it's literally pointless. You don't know what these guys are dealing with going in there. No. How, and you've done that too, right? You pick a card and you feel confident. I, I do this for a living. I got yeah. it. And you go, one and eleven. Wrong. All. You're like, what the hell is yeah. that? <laughs> Michael Pereira versus Andre Filio. I thought that was Andre Filio. Remember him? WEC. Yeah. No, but he's, champ. He was the guy that uh, Chael Sonnen fake tapped to, right? Yep. Yeah. That guy was good. Yeah. Filio was good. I wonder how good he would be with Usada though. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not quite. Got them special vegetables he's working on. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what Perea's going to do? That guy's going to do something wacky and fun to watch. But uh, as a disciplined fighter, I don't know. I don't know that he has. I don't know he can climb too much higher, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, crazy seeing that Hodolfo get submitted by uh, <laughs> what's his face? I forgot. How hey. bad a time do you think his boys gave him about that? Dude. Or even Leo Santos <laughs> yeah. getting subbed by Clay Guida. Oh, dude. Holy shit. Yeah, fucking wild. That's a quiet locker room. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've been some parts of some things that have happened that are bad, and you just swallow it and you go forward. That's that's your only choice. But those guys are freaking good at jiu-jitsu. You'd think they'd be able to stay out of a, a guillotine. Yeah. Well, that's what I, was, I, I talked to you about years back. I'm like, God, fighting is just like you get so connected, especially you go through fight camps with people. They do everything right. They're working so hard. You know they're working harder than that opponent. And you know they're probably better than that opponent. And you know they'd probably beat that opponent nine out of ten times. But that night you fail. Yeah. And it's a failure. And it's like athletes start questioning themselves, start questioning what did I did wrong. It's like you didn't do anything wrong. It's just fucking fighting. Yeah. The, isn't it funny? Some guy just throws up a whopper and that's it. You're like, oh, come on. I fucking hate it, dude. <laughs> I hate it, but that's why it's kind of sweet. Oh, shit. Israel Whitaker, round two. Whitaker's going to do much better. You think he's going to be shooting more? I, I I would. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I feel like he went in there with some weird energy last time. He mentioned it, and I didn't really notice. And then I saw some replays of him walking out and just how angry he was. And, like, he was really relying on that that uh, emotional energy. Oh. And when we fought him with Jared, he didn't fight like that. Mm-hmm. He just fought great. He's fucking smart. He's yeah. such a good fighter. And, I, and ha- he's seen now some other guys fight him. And he has, I think, a better idea. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a much closer fight. I love Israel. He's great. You can't, yeah. I, I think it's hard to bet against him. But I think it'll be a better fight. Yeah. And, like, 
with Jan, Jan's probably a solid 30, maybe 35 pounds bigger, and they fought in the apex. Yeah. So it could be the difference. Maybe Whitaker comes out there and it's like, damn, I can't fucking catch this guy in the big cage, yeah. and he's not as easy to take down as I thought. So that's going to be a sweet one there. Well, you know the way Israel just lays back, like he caught Whitaker like that. He leans away, but he leaves his feet. Mm-hmm. So is that why Jan caught him? Like he was moving away from Jan a little bit more, I think because of the size, and he got caught anyway. But I think if Whitaker can bait him into doing that, you're going to get into his legs or at least his body better. But, yeah, Israel, I mean, he's working every day. It's not like he, yeah. oh, that's it, my defense is done. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Sugar's wrestling and, and grappling. Mm-hmm. You know, people keep going, oh, he can't fight on the ground. Well, you're looking at him seven years ago. Yeah. Like, maybe just throw that film away because that's not going to help you. Yeah. And the same with Israel. I think he loves being the champion, which I think is a superpower. He digs it. That's not pressure for him. Mm-hmm. Like, that fuels him. Mm-hmm. So I think he just is working and working. So I think it will be hard for to take him down easily. Yeah, there's those certain athletes as like when those lights turn on, they're they're showing up every fucking time. Yeah. And they love it. Yeah, and they just love it. Even when it. he had a hard time against Kelvin, right? Like Kelvin almost won that fight. Like one more punch after that head kick and Kelvin Gastelum's mm-hmm. the world champ. And and Israel standing in the corner goes, I'm ready to die here. And he was. You know? And he did. He went out there and, and knocked him out in the fifth round, you know, or at least took him apart in the fifth. Did he say that, I'm ready to die here? Yeah. That's, Fucking badass. You dude. can see him mouth it. And I didn't know he did. I didn't know what he was saying because, uh-huh. you know, he was busted up. Mm-hmm. Like, his, his, his lips were busted up and his face was busted up. That was a fight. And he's standing there and the camera hits him. You can see him. He goes, I'm ready to die here. Fucking that savage, huh? Woo! <laughs> Gives me chills just talking dude, about it right real. now. And then, so... Co-main event on boy Kyler Phillips versus Marcelo. Do you know much about Marcelo? Is that the co-main? I think it was announced as a co-main too. Oh, because I think Jared and uh, oh yeah, they're on the they're yeah, they're right. Jared was on here. Oh. Could, I don't know. It's just on Google. They could update it. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure. They oh will. well, yeah, Kyler. I, you know, Kyler's a great fighter. I think uh, it was a fluke. Though. Not a fluke. The guy did the right stuff. We got tired. Dude, I, I was I was I was telling even Kyler. I'm like. He'll probably get more growth out of losing that fight than winning. Just knowing. Watching Kyler and sparring, he's fucking, you can barely find people to spar with him. He's so fucking good. Yeah, he is. And then I, he just won't, emptied his tank a little early. But I think he ha- he thought he had him, right? Yeah. And he, he just went, and he started throwing big stuff and, and got tired. In the, and to the Brazilian kid's credit, he kept going. Mm-hmm. You know, people were saying, oh, I should have stopped it, should have stopped it. Well, obviously not. Yeah. The kid won the fight. Yeah. Shouldn't have stopped it. Like, he came back and fought well. But I don't think, I think if Kyler fights that kid a thousand times, he wins the next 999. 100%. 100%. Yeah, so that'll be sweet. Do you know that kid's strengths, the Marcelo Rojo? He's just very tough, like very solid. Um, You know, not as much experience on the ground, but he's strong. But he's going to stand in there. He's... um, you know, tough Mexican fighter. Yeah. You start throwing at him, he's going to throw at you. I feel like Kyler's speed is going to be an advantage. Um, and just, you know, overall athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can, you know, you know, Kyler can fight anywhere. Whatever that thing goes, he's going to be fully equipped to, to do what he needs to do. So th- I'd say Marcelo is a tough guy. Like he's going to stand in there. He's not going to go away easy. You know, he's going to be durable and be there, which is good for us because. We just fought somebody like that and didn't pass that test, you know? Mm-hmm. So 
I'm excited for this test. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. What was uh what was next on that one? Uh I mean the next card, Jay. Let's go bust him out real quick. That's a little Fiziev dude. He's a mean little fuck, isn't he? Yeah, he's good. Jesus. Who did he just fight? He had a hell of a fight with somebody. That Brad Riddell, his old teammate. God dang. Holy fuck. That was the sickest fight one one six I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. Those guys beat the junk out of each other. Yeah. You know, they both had a headache for a week. And then Dariush Makachev. You've cornered against Dariush a couple times. Yeah. Um, who you I, got there? Makachev, easy. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think it's even going to be a contest. That's what I'm thinking. Because it's, it's not like Benil's like, hey, it's so hard to take him down. He gets dumped once in a while. Yeah. Once Islam gets on top. I think the biggest challenge for Islam would be someone like Charles. Yeah, I do too. Somebody who's got that knack for catching people. Yeah. Like if they grab you, you're tapping. Yeah. That's the thing about Oliveira, right? Yep. Like everybody tries stuff and it's tight and people get out. Once he locks it in, it's a wrap. Like you die there. <laughs> That's it. And, and, and the way he, he, it's like he almost, he got so durable over the years to where he can just stand there with his head in one spot and just march you down, march you down, march you down. But then he does get dropped. That's the impressive thing is that he survived those. Yeah. Because Chandler's. Challenge power is real, mm-hmm. and uh, and he was in big trouble in that first round, and he survived. the 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 heart, the resilience he showed, I, I was super impressed by mm-hmm. that. Uh, in both fights, he was dropped by Poirier yeah. as well. Especially compared to early on in his career, when he's gotten he's gotten in those situations, he's kind of folded. Yeah, but overcoming that, coming back, it's fucking awesome. It's been pretty remarkable. You know, when people just walk at you. They have to eat some stuff. Mm-hmm. But if they keep coming, it makes you tired. Did you see the, the last main event, uh, the 45-pounders? The cater. Yeah. Calvin cater. Because cater ate some hard shots. Like I only We only watched the last round when we were in, in California. Oh, dude. They, and cater just walked at him <laughs> for 25 minutes and ate some to get there and just kept coming. By the end, Giga didn't know. like He was just trying to get away to get some space. When those pressure fighters, and Charles is one of those, mm-hmm. The problem is you got to eat some to get there. Yeah. You know, if you're going to keep going, you're going to walk right into that range. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's been able to do that against Poirier and, and um, what you call it, Chandler, now the ultimate test of walking into range, he's going to get Gaethje and we'll see. Fuck. <laughs> no shit. Walk into one of those hand grenades. If you can survive that, then you can survive anything. Yeah, no shit. Okay, last one. Mazdal versus Colby. Who you got? Colby. Easy. Colby's tough to fight because the way he ducks his head, you don't know if he's fucking shooting. You don't know if he's whipping an overhand. His style of fighting is just a tough one to fight. I think he. I feel like he's getting better. He didn't start well against uh, Usman last time, mm-hmm. but I felt like he was doing better in the end. Mm-hmm. Like he was coming on, and Usman was maybe Usman felt like he was ahead and he was just going to cruise a little bit. It's hard to tell because Usman's such a great champion too. But I like Colby. I mean. I wouldn't want to have lunch with him necessarily, but <laughs> as a fighter, I think he's fucking awesome. Yeah. He's very good. And I think Jorge's, you know, has been largely a product of that knockout of Askren. Yeah, and then beating up Nate. Yeah. Well, but everybody beats up Nate. Yeah. Like, everybody beats up Nate. You would think, because I know Jorge trains with Bo Nickel sometimes. It's like, man, you should be wrestling with him three times a week. Yeah. Three times a week, so you're just, and he probably is. Who knows what he's doing, but. I think he is, but you know how that is, right? Like, you're, yeah. you're a good wrestler, mm-hmm. but if somebody from Penn State comes in, 
and you're good for a little bit, and all of a sudden they start going, and you get a little tired, and it changes things. You put three shots in a row together. You're like, fuck, I yeah. wasn't ready for that third, fourth shot. Well, and you do good in the first round, then you get a little tired. And by the third round, you're not wrestling the same as somebody that's wrestled since they were four. Yep. That's the only thing I would say. But but Masvidal is, is a cool guy and one of the, I think, the most well-rounded fighters in the history of the UFC. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I really like him. I just the you know the the UFC hype machine has definitely helped him along. Yeah, this, you know. Yeah, for sure. So who you got in that? I would love to see Jorge win, but I just think Colby's a fucking an animal. I feel like the only person. Well, I would love to see uh, Kamzat versus Colby. I'm so excited for that guy to get up in the higher ranks. <laughs> Me too. He is a nut. He wants to fight everybody, and he's not lying. Yeah. He'd fight Francis and Ghana tomorrow. You know he would. Yeah. I don't know how he makes Burns one. called him out. Gilbert Burns. I think that'd be a sick fight. Yeah, that would be a good yeah. fight. Big step up for him. Yeah, huge. Huge. But I think, you know, Gilbert's good on the ground. But watching Gilbert in the last fight, and he does tire out. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't drop Hums out, I don't think he catches him. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe his maybe his jiu-jitsu. Because Gilbert's sick on the ground. He's, yeah. He's a world champion, you know, but... I just think Hamzat's a different beast, dude. Me too. He's I don't know. I don't know how he makes welterweight. He's like six two. He probably walks around two oh five. Oh, he's crazy. He's he nuts. looks crazy. He wants to eat your liver. And he's got that fucking hair lip that just makes him more scary. <laughs> he's um, a beast. I wouldn't want to fight him. I'll tell you that. So that's perfect. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, on. dude, thanks, man. This is fun. You're doing a great job. Hell yeah. Um. Psh- yeah, we got done with the L.A. trip. Glad that shit's over. I didn't go out any of the nights partying. I was getting over the sickness. Sugar went out. He went fucking real hard, and now he's paying for it, and I don't regret going out one bit. <laughs> but L.A., that's a different city. It's just all these influencer kids. This is like, uh, I don't know. I don't like it. It's good that we live in Peoria, Arizona, or in Sun City, where the old folks live. There's nothing going on ever. There's no chicks Within lots of miles. I think if you just went over to Scottsdale, you'd be fine, or to Tempe. Yeah, that's why I'm glad we live away from that, <laughs> for sure. I think you could find some trouble over there if you were interested in it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Thanks for watching, you guys. Like and subscribe if you haven't. Thanks again. Peace. You're the man, too.